So we are looking at the, the third attribute's not the right word. You know, fruit of the Spirit is all of it together, but we're kind of segmenting it out. But it's just fruit, and it's in three triads. And so the first triad, of course, is uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So we're looking at cultivating peace in a fragmented world today. And I want to start with a bombshell question. Are you ready? How can a church be what God has called them to be? How can a church be what God has called them to be? Well, maybe I won't give you the answer right now, but I'll give you maybe some issues that keep a church from that. Many churches today are not doing what God has called them to do because they do not have the right outlook. You see, some churches can be self-centered. Have you ever heard of that? Don't look at me like that. Yeah. Some churches can be self-centered. Or they can focus on, uh, uh, on one aspect, only one aspect of missions, or maybe one other aspect, or maybe not at all. Some churches can be consumed with a narrow item or issue. Hello? Hello? Some churches do that. It, what do we call that? I call it a hill on which to die. You better be careful about what hill on which to die you're willing to die. Amen? Amen? It better be gospel-related and Jesus-related. But some, they're marked by, hey, this is our little issue. So, so be careful with that. Or perhaps even worse, some churches have no conviction at all, the other side of the coin. Thus, often, there's no peace. There's no peace when this can happen. But there is good news. Good news is this. As individuals and as a church, we can display the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit in us. I like to say that peace is the first cousin of joy. Think about that for a minute. Peace is the first cousin of joy. So what we did last week and today, they just go like this. They just fit just like that. In fact, you, you'll find the words in, in both of the passages, the main passages that we're using. But uh, it, it is uh, the first cousin of joy. And I want to tell you something. I think it's not optional. You know, I don't think we can say, that's just my disposition. That's just my personality. It's just, if, if you don't know what my life experience has been. You don't know what I'm going through. I, I think the Bible is clear that Jesus, uh, thank you, Troy, for stealing my last verse. Thank you for that this morning. We're going to do it again anyway at the end of the sermon. Uh, he, he leaves us his peace. I, I don't think it's optional. I think we should have a peace-filled life. So let's do our uh, Bible verse again. Let's put that up on the screen. And uh, we're still putting it up there. We're hoping you get it memorized. Would you say it with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Of course, that's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You don't have to memorize that, but you know what that is, okay? So we want to think about that today. Let me give you a couple of verses to think about. You may want to jot them down as we get started. Jesus preaches on the Sermon on the Mount, at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, uh, verse 9. He says, blessed are the, do you remember, peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, that's very instructive to me. I want to be called a, ch a child of God, do you? So blessed are the peacemakers. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Did you catch that? 
Some of you like if possible. Well, there might be conditions, right? Or some, some of us understand the command, live peaceably with all. But don't miss that connecting phrase in that verse. So far as it depends on you, it is on us to be peacemakers. It is on us to live peaceably. It is not on that guy that's angry or not on that gal that's holding a grudge or not on somebody in power over us that's doing something we don't like. No, as far as it depends on you and me, live peaceably with all. Romans 14, verse 19. So then, that means Paul has just written one of his famous run-on paragraphs in the original language. He just goes on and on and on, comma, 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 comma. He goes on and on and on. Finally, he says, so then, we must pursue, strong word, we must pursue what promotes peace and builds up one another. Wow. So think about that today. We look at this attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, and I remind you again, fruit of the Spirit means offspring, harvest, produce, result, yield, and it's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, true believers dwelling in us and working through us. It's His fruit. Here's an overarching thought. I don't always give you those. Here's the principle I want you to get this morning. Everything we're talking about today, everything you'll pray about and study this week and contemplate about peace, I want you to think about three things. I think it's in your sermon notes. Number one, we want to think about peace with God. Number two, peace within ourselves. And number three, peace with others. I think there's three segments here that we just need to evaluate everything with that. You may be doing great with peace with God. Or you may be doing great peace within yourself. Or you may be doing great peace with others. Or you may have one of those three that God is going to say to you today and this week, you ought to work on that one. Let me help you with that one. So remember those three things in, in all that we read and all that we say today. The big idea is this. I want you to get this today. We are to exhibit a peace-filled life, which is a result of the Holy Spirit working within us. And I picked an interesting passage. There's a lot of passages that could be picked, but I picked one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Very famous passage. Let's read verses 12 through 28. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are lazy, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. That sounds kind of peaceful, doesn't it? And then these famous verses, starting in verse 16. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold on to what is good, stay away from every form of evil. And then the great benediction begins in 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace, isn't that interesting? Paul describes God in that way. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And by the way, don't, when we go out of here today, I don't, I don't need any kisses, okay? Thank culture there, all right? You know, all right. 
except from Lynn. I've lost my place. Oh, yes, I remember. Verse 26, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord, I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray. God, we have read your word and we ask that it goes out right now, that it's not our words or our thoughts or our hunches, but it is your word, God, that penetrates our hearts, our soul, even the marrow of our bones, that God, your word would just, just envelop us. So we ask that you would speak to us today. We thank you that you are here amongst us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, 1 Thessalonians is an early letter that Paul wrote, and uh, it was to encourage new believers in their faith. It was also to urge them forward into godly living. So encourage them in faith, move them forward with godly living. It gives instruction about the eternity of believers who had died. There was a question, what happens when people die? He talks about it here and to defend the integrity of his ministry. Thessalonica was the capital of Roman Macedonia. Perhaps you've heard of that. And Paul visited there on his second missionary journey. But if you'll remember, he had to exit. He was forced to flee because of opposition. That doesn't sound very peaceful, does it? But Paul sent Timothy to work with this largely Gentile church in Thessalonica. So we have 1 Thessalonians here. So let's just look and I want you to think about the word peace-filled today. And so let's just break down the scripture and look at that. Look at the scripture and how it applies to peace. And number one is the peace-filled church, verses 12 through 14, the peace-filled church. Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, and then he lists a number of things that we are to do. So first thing I see here is uh, as we gather, we're amongst ourselves, we are to uh, recognize and respect leaders. Do you catch that there? Those who are laboring and those who are leading you, okay? To recognize and respect leaders who lead in the Lord. Now that, uh, that word leaders means one who stands before is set over, presides, or lead. So I think it's good. If you have lead, that's what it, that's what it is. The ones, the ones who lead you. They lead you where, how? In the Lord. And they also do something else. Did you catch that? They admonish you. Very interesting word. It means to warn or to exhort. And it gives the idea not of don't go into the street and play in the street because cars will run you over. Not that kind of warning, but the idea of spiritual guidance. So let me just tell you right now, if we have leaders in the church, uh, if you have me or someone else, and we are not more interested in spiritual guidance than financial guidance or even relationship guidance, or you fill in the blank, it's got to be spiritual guidance because that's what it's talking about. They admonish. So this is an aspect of the peace-filled life, to recognize and respect these type of leaders. Secondly, the scripture goes on to say that we are to regard them highly in love. Regard means respect or view, so we view them highly. That's a strong word. It doesn't just mean, hey, you're right here. Uh, it's not what it means. It means to be beyond all measure. 
So it's a strong request there to uh, view them beyond all measure in love. And of course, we talked a few weeks ago about love when we think of fruit of the Spirit. The preeminent, the number one in line, the preeminent attribute, if you will, is love. It affects all the other ones. Why? Preacher, it's easy for you to say that. You just want people to do this. No, why? It says right there, did you catch it? Because of their work. And I would say it this way, because of the work of the office. If you can't stand your pastor, I hope it's not true, you can at least recognize and respect what's going on in the office. And I'll give you an illustration. When I became pastor, I was at the, I'd been at the church a long time, and I'd been sitting in the number two chair, if you will, and then all of a sudden I'm the senior pastor. And it, it, it was interesting because some of my friends, some people who had been in battle with in ministry on the front lines, all of a sudden they didn't call me Lamar anymore. They, they were more formal. Brother Lamar, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I don't prefer Brother Lamar. So now all of you will be calling me that. And, and I had to ask some of them finally, what is going on? Just call, I'm Lamar. I'm the same guy. We respect the office, the position. Do you see? It took me a little while to get that through my head. And then I said, well, can we come to a compromise? Maybe Pastor Lamar? And we did, and we worked that out. But it wasn't that they had changed or that I had changed. It was just because of the work of the office. They regarded highly in love. Now, let me tell you the flip side of that. That looks pretty good for the person leading, doesn't it? That looks pretty good. Wow. Okay, everybody, let's just bow down. Just love and kisses and all that. No. I want to tell you something. Scripture is clear of one thing. It's me. I will stand before God. Or if someone's in a Sunday school class, it's the teacher that will stand before God. I will stand before God, and I will be judged on how I have led this flock that God has entrusted to me. Do you see that condition? Do you see how it's so important? James 3, chapter 3, verse 1. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. So it's not just, hey, just, just love on that person in that position, that leader. No, it's so much more than that. Again, an aspect of the peace-filled life, the peace-filled church, if you will, is to regard, respect highly in love those who lead in the Lord and who admonish you. Third on the peace-filled church is the clarifying command that we see right there at the end of verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves. Hmm, be at peace. In context, I think this means when a church does this stuff, when a church respects the leaders, there will be peace amongst the congregation. As we shepherd well, there will be peace among the congregation. And the last thing we see in verses 12 through 14, and we won't spend time on it, I'll read them again, but there's instructions on how to do this. Really, I think there's instructions on how to do the Great Commission. You remember the Great Commission? I think there's instructions right here. Look at it. It says, do what? Warn those who are lazy. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. These four exhortations sure help the peace-filled church, if you think about it. And I remind you again of the overarching principle or statement. It helps us to have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. 
So that's the peace-filled church. Let's look now in verses 15 through 18 at the peace-filled life. I think the scripture right here gets very personal. Have you noticed how scripture gets personal sometimes? You're reading and you're going along, great, a little history or something else. You're doing great and all of a sudden, wham, God gives it to you. Is it like right here, right here? No ifs, ands, or buts. Here it is. Boom. There it is. And so I think it does here. How, how do I live a godly life in today's world? A world that frowns upon a godly life. How do we require this kind of lifestyle of all of us? How do we exhibit the peace-filled life? Look at verse 15. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. I call this the practice of peace. Verse 15, the practice of peace. Uh, we're, we're to chase after or pursue what is good. And this is to be daily. And then there's another practice that's to happen, and it's don't do evil. Don't think evil. Don't speak evil. So when we're talking about the good or, or not doing evil, who's it for? It's for one another, church, but it's for all people. Let me remind you of the power of words, church. Be careful what you say about new legislation. Be careful what you say about something that someone has done in the government. Be careful what you say about what your neighbor is doing. Be careful, be careful, be careful, because we are not to do evil, think evil, or speak evil. Yes, we take stands. Yes, we have convictions. But if someone knows me only for that stuff... Wow, what kind of witness is that? So let me just encourage you to have this daily practice of peace. It doesn't mean we can't enter into conversations, serious conversations with other folks. But can I throw something out to you guys today? And it's for me as well. Before I have that political discussion with someone, before I have that financial discussion with someone, before I have that educational discussion with someone, have I had a gospel conversation with them? Not a single amen. I didn't expect one there. Think about it, though. It's so easy. It's our go-to, isn't it? I know what our go-to is. And we go right there. What about a grace-filled, peace-filled gospel conversation? Do you know what the answer to all the problems are today? We're headed into Independence Day and all this kind of stuff. Guess what our, the answer is? The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The more and more people in our context and around the world that become believers that God saves, that is the answer. i got to go on. I could spend a lot of time there. But we have this practice of peace. I want to encourage you to think about that. And then we see the praise of what I call the praise of peace. Look at verse 16. It's what we said last week. All right? Rejoice always, exclamation point. There should not be a day that goes by that we do not rejoice in the Lord. Now, that's tough, isn't it? But that should be part of the peaceful life. It's that rejoicing, that praising of the Lord. Literally, it means this, at all times be rejoicing. Maybe not great English, but that's what it is. At all times be rejoicing. And then we move on to verse 17. I love these verses. Let's memorize a verse today. Can anyone quote 1 Thessalonians 5, 17? Pray constantly, right? You got it? You can go home today. 
And you can just say that to your family. Say, look, I memorized a verse. But it's a very powerful two words. I call it the praying of peace. We're to practice this daily. We're, we're, we're to, to praise. We're to rejoice. We're to have joy. But we're also to pray constantly. Now, let me stop you. If you've read all of Scripture, you know that doesn't just mean uh, some praying mantra that you do 24-7 and somehow even in your sleep you do it. Warren Wiersbe, I love him, said this, Pray without ceasing does not mean we, all, we must always be mumbling prayers. The word means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. I like that. Did you catch that? John MacArthur said, it's a way of life marked by an attitude of continual prayer, the praying of peace. And then we get to verse 18, and we see what I call the thankfulness of peace. Again, another direct, for the peaceful life, another direct, here it is, cut and dried thing that we should do. We're to give thanks in how much? Everything. In everything. Why? 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 Don't just read that, but ask why. Because Jesus lives in us. Jesus lives in us. Look at the verse. And it's also God's will for us, what we should do. Some of you have heard of Corey Ten Boom. If you haven't, it's an amazing Christian figure that had to deal with the Holocaust on the concentration camp side. Are you with me? Are we there? Let's go back to that point. Listen to this, and you think about thankfulness. Corey Ten Boom and her sister had been transferred to the horrible German prison camp, Ravensbrück. It was flea-infested. As they read this very verse that we just read, Corey was finally able to thank God even for the fleas. Uh, in 2021, we might say roaches, right? I don't know if you've experienced that, but... Uh, uh, it, they're going around, okay? But she was able to thank God for the fleas. Who would thank God for being in a flea-infested concentration camp? But listen to this. During the months they spent at that camp, they were surprised about something. They were surprised to find how, how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings without any guard interference. They were free wherever they were being held to have these Bible studies and prayer meetings. And it was not until several months later they learned the reason the guards would not enter the barracks was, guess what? Because of the fleas. They gave thanks for the fleas and look what happened. Now I'm not, <laughs> I'm not advocating you leaving your front door and your back door wide open and see what comes in the next day. But even some things that ugh, we can't stand, can we give thanks for everything because we don't know what God is doing there. I thought that that one really spoke to me. So that's the, the peace-filled church, the peaceful life. Let's move on to the peace-filled walk. It's verses 19 through 22, slightly different than the peace-filled life because when we say the peace-filled walk, I want you to think of this, walk, walking with the Word, with God's Word, with the Bible, with Scripture. It has been well said that we believe as much of the Bible as we live. We believe as much of the Bible as we live. So we look at verse 19. It says, here's another little pithy statement. Don't stifle the spirit. Stifle means extinguish power of energy. It means snuff out the energy. It's think about a candle and you just snuff it out, okay? Don't stifle the capital S spirit. Well, what does that mean? Instead, we are to plug into the Holy Spirit. 
Plug into the one who cultivates the fruit of the Spirit in us, including peace. So we do that. In verse 20, we, we see uh, uh, don't despise prophety, prophecies. I like to say preaching as well there. This is the peace of God's preaching. Uh, Dr. Jimmy Draper, great man of God, said this. We can quench the Spirit by ignoring God's Word. We can do everything right and it look like we are on our way to this peace-filled life. We're on our way to this Spirit-filled life, but we quench the Spirit when we ignore God's Word. Don't despise prophecy. That word means to treat with contempt or to look down on. Well, how does this occur? How could this occur? It occurs by not reading the Word. It occurs by not being prepared mentally, physically, and spiritually to come and worship together. I'm telling you guys, if the pandemic taught Christians anything, is to not ever again neglect coming and worshiping together. Amen? Can I get a testimony? And Sunday morning is often based upon, guess what? What you do Saturday night. Amen? Get ready and come. Well, I'm tired. Well, someone came to visit me. Well, you know, I really put this... No. Those should all be removed when we saw what it was like not to be able to worship together. We come and we do that. That's another way that uh, we can despise, by not being ready to worship together. Or not responding to the Spirit's call in our life. I believe God has called us. I believe God is calling certain people in this body for certain things. And are we willing to respond to that? It might be something significant and we have to take a step out and be ready to do it. Of course, it also is not obeying the Word of God. We could go on and on and on. But instead, the peace-filled walk is a daily walk with God's Word. Did you get a chance to read God's Word this morning? Have you read anything besides 1 Thessalonians 5 today? Maybe you're a nighttime one, that's okay. Or maybe you're a morning one, but have you read anything? I'm mired down in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. I'm reading about these kings that did evil on the side of the Lord. I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to pump me up after reading all that because I'm going to church. But we, we read and we see what God has to say to us. And then in verse 21, it says, but test all things and hold on to what is good. I think this is the authenticity of peace. Test. Now, i got to be careful when I talk about testing all things. Because some people in our wor world are testers, are they not? And they will test everything. You know, they will test if you... Uh, spoke correctly, if you're dressed correctly, if you look like them or not, we could go on and on and on. And I, can I just say something? I am so thankful to Hoffman Town Church that so far, only nine months in, there has not been one sweet, gentle lady that has come to me and said, do you need a razor? I appreciate that. <laughs> now, I know some of you have thought it, so repent. <laughs> it shouldn't matter what's on her face, right? It also shouldn't matter whether we have a nice shirt on or a shirt with holes in it. It should not matter, should it? Or if we say ain't all the time or we don't say ain't, it shouldn't matter. We should realize 
that that is not what we're testing when it says test all things. You see, the word test means the act of testing between true and false. Let's do that, right? What is a true gospel? What is a false gospel? That's what we should be looking at. Testing is what is right or wrong, not areas of preference, but things that really matter. What is right and what is wrong or good or bad. You see, the peace-filled person practices 1 John 4.1. Dear friends... Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I'm feeling more and more strongly about this and being led by God, that we are in what I call a truth battle. Some of you agree with that? And I'm feeling led. We're going to start after this series. We're going to take a look at the book of Jude. It's only 20-something verses, but we're going to take weeks to look at that. Why? Because I think there's a battle out there. And we are supposed to test whether things are from God or not, whether there's a false prophet or God's prophecy. And so I think that's what we need to be looking at when it says test all things. But it goes on, and it says it's not just that, but because of that, we hold on to what is good. Hold on means possess or seize or keep. It's as if saying, keep in your mind that which is good. What does that mean? That which is inherently genuine, true, noble, and right. That's found in Scripture. And then we get to verse 22. As we think about the peace-filled walk, that's walking in the Word, in the Scripture, and we're reminded of the abstention of peace. You probably could think of a better word. That's the word I came up with. But look at it. Abstain or stay away from what? Every form of evil. The peace-filled walk does not hold back from good, but it does hold back from something. It, hold back, it holds back from evil. Listen to Proverbs 14, 16. A wise man is cautious and turns from evil. Psalm 34, 14. This is a good one to contemplate this week. Depart from evil and do good Seek peace and pursue it. So we look at the peace-filled church, peace-filled life, peace-filled walk, and then we have this glorious benediction. I call it the peace-filled benediction. Verses 23 through 28, it's a beautiful benediction. I won't read it again, but you can see it. It's a beautiful benediction. It shows us and starts with the source of all peace. What does Scripture say? Who is the source of all peace? It is God, Almighty God. It is He Himself. It is He. Listen, listen to the God of peace. Just listen to this. Just maybe even close your eyes and think about this for a moment. Whether you're, you're online or right here in the room, think about these things. He is the source of all peace. It is God. It is He who redeems us. It is He who sets us apart for His exclusive use. It is He who calls us to be holy. It is He who calls us to be faithful and to pray. It is He who calls us to genuinely love one another. It is He who charges us to read Scripture. It is He who gives us grace. All of this from the God of peace gives us opportunity to exhibit a peace-filled life. Now think about that. That almost makes me want to give God a, a, an applause. All, it's, it's amazing what we see here. All these things. 
I'm going to close in this way today as we think about the fact that we are to exhibit a peace-filled life. And that happens, that's cultivated when, when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Here's a few scriptures for you. Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Hebrews 12, 14. Some of you are saying, when are we going to get to that verse? Here it is, Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for holy, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. How? How can we do this? How can we let this peace of the Lord rule in our lives? How can, as members of one body, how can we live in peace and be thankful? How can we strive for peace with everyone? If you knew my crazy uncle, you would know I can't strive for peace. No, the command is strive for peace. How can we do that? How can we strive for holiness that comes from the Lord? How can we do it? We do it. Through Jesus, with the words of Jesus, John 14, 27, here's what Jesus said. Direct quote, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. How can we do this? Jesus has left us his peace. In fact, Jesus, as a great gift, a good and gracious gift, he has given his peace to us. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't give as the world gives? Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. So we can't live that opposite life, the troubled life, the fearful life, the angry life, the evil life. We could go on and on. Instead, we were to live the peace-filled life. How can we do it? Jesus has left his peace. And he's not just left it sitting right here on the edge of the stage. Picture a nice box with some nice reflective, what is that called, covering, um, wrapping paper or a nice bow or whatever that's there. No. He has unwrapped it and he has thrust it into our hands and given it to us as a gift. And aren't you glad for that opportunity? So let me ask you three questions and we're done today. Relates to that overarching principle I'm going to talk about. Are you at peace with God? Let me start right there. Are you at peace with God? The gospel is simple and clear. The Bible says what? We're all sinners. Sin separates us from holy God. Yet God loved us so much that he had a rescue plan for us sinners. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about everybody in the room, including me, and everybody watching. That's what I'm talking about. He has a rescue plan. And we can sum up the rescue plan, if we want to, in one word. Jesus. He sent Jesus. He demonstrated his love that even though we're sinners, he sent Jesus. And scripture says Christ Jesus died not for the guy down the street or not for the relative in another state. He died for you and for me. Are you at peace with God? The scripture is clear. 
For by grace are you saved through faith. God gives us the faith. It is a gift that he gives us, a grace gift, if you will, to have the faith to repent from sin and to confess him as Savior and Lord. Uh, really to possess, right? Think about that. Has that happened in your life? You, you, you can't be at peace with God without receiving salvation from the Lord. You can't. It's impossible. Has that happened? We're not talking about church membership. We're not even talking about baptism, as important as that is. We're not talking about our family or how many verses we've read this year in the Bible. We're talking about that relationship, personal relationship. God saves us. Has that happened for you? Are you at peace with God? If you say no, why not today? Why not? What is holding you back from repenting from your sin and running to the Lord? Are you at peace with God? That means something else as well. If you say, yes, I have that relationship with the Lord, well, how's it going? How's it going? What does Scripture say? If we, we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that tell me? I'm going to still sin, but I don't need to have unconfessed sin in my life. I need to confess that to the Lord. Are you at peace with God? Secondly, are you at peace within yourself? Are you at peace within yourself? Are you able to exhibit this life, whether it's in church or your own life or your walk in the Word? Are you able to do that? And let me just say one thing here. Self-esteem is a big deal. I'm not going to get all psychological on you, but I want you to hear me. Our self-esteem cannot be wrapped up in how we look. Amen? I am thankful. I mean, look at this specimen. Why do you, why do you laugh? I don't understand. I, maybe some of them, no, right? Our self-esteem is not wrapped up in how we look. Did you know our, our self-esteem should not, guys, listen to this, should not even be wrapped up in our job. Our self-esteem should not be wrapped up in our family. Ladies, listen to this. Your little darling, your self-esteem should not be wrapped up in your kids. Our self-esteem should be preeminently dealing with what? Jesus. How we relate to Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. Are you a child of the king? If you are, you can have peace within yourself. Yes, you may want to lose a few pounds. Yes, you might want to look for a new job or, or work a little harder or spend a little less and save a little more. I understand that. I understand all that. But are you have peace within yourself? Can you say when all is said and done, I am okay, I know I'm a sinner, but I've been saved by Jesus. And therefore, even if someone says something hurtful to me or does something hurtful to me, it's okay. It doesn't lessen me because my self-esteem is with God. I really want you to think about that. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace within yourself? Are you at peace with others? That's a pretty tough one. Are you at peace with others? My prayer has been that God would reveal to us 
a relationship that we need to work on. A relationship. We may need some confession. I'm going to be transparent with you. I have a brother that God has spoken to me about. Instead of quit looking at him like, why, why, why do you do this? To be the better man and have a peace-filled relationship with one of my brothers. What about you? Is it a family member? Is it a child? Is it a parent? Is it a father? Is it a church member? See, repentance, confession, we can just confess, I shouldn't have that attitude. But repentance means it happens. We go away from that and we don't go back to it. We don't go back to it. I want you to think about that for a minute. Are you at peace with others? I have work to do. I have confession to make. What about you? I would just encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a time of response. And this time of response is not based on how how many people will come forward for prayer or to talk. That's not why we do it. We don't do it just to hear another song and some beautiful music. We do it to get alone with God and say, God, open my heart and speak to me, your word. We pray when we start the word. We pray when we finish the word. Why? Because it's God's word that's living and active. And it's there for reproof and discipline, correction, guidance. And so we're going to have this time. So this isn't a time to, to, to wander away or this is not a time to think about uh, class or time to think about something else later today. But just let's spend a few moments with the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, we ask that you would speak to us. God, may you develop in us such peace-filled lives that people out in our city and in our world look and say, what? How could you be this way? And we're able to share the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. God, I pray right now in the stillness of the moment and these next couple moments that you would confirm in our hearts and speak your word to us and that you would show us how we're doing. Peace with God within ourselves, with others. God, do the work that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.